Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles and I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and I'm the host of the Sendcast. We started the podcast a few years ago to help improve knowledge around SEND. There is lots of stuff to read, but we were all very, very, very busy. We created the Sendcast to try and help support schools, but the Sendcast is also a great way to get the same information to schools and parents. Every week on the Sendcast, I invite a guest to come and discuss a topic with me. And this week, my guest is Dr. Sarah Mosley. Sarah is an educational consultant specializing in reading and self-esteem. And on this week's show, we're discussing teaching phonics to all learners and what does this mean for our SLD or PMLD pupils. Before we get started, I'd like to remind you about us here at B Squared. Over the last 25 years, we've supported schools to support students with SEND. Our assessment products are used in over 15,000 schools around the world to help show small steps of progress, with around 2,000 now using our Connecting Steps, our assessment software. We also have our evidence system Eversense and our online CPD offering training for education that we launched a couple of years ago. Now it has a range of CPD around SEND. If you want to find out more about B Squared and how we can help your school, go to our website, www.bsquared.co.uk. You can find a link to the website. You can find a link to book an online meeting with me to find out how we can help you. And you'll also find my email address. And all of that is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the podcast. In this week's show, we're discussing teaching phonics to all learners and what does this mean for our SLD or PMLD pupils. This week, my guest is Dr. Sarah Mosley. Sarah is an educational consultant specializing in reading and self-esteem for pupils with SEND. She has worked in a wide range of schools and has published research around raising outcomes. She has recently published her book on teaching reading to all learners. And as an educational consultant, she supports schools to raise outcomes for all learners helping schools to turn theory into practice. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, Dale. Lovely to be back. It is one of my favourites, or maybe my favourite, podcast. Excellent. We do. It's great. I get that from lots of our guests, and also it's nice to hear that we go to the shows as well, so that's great to hear. Phonics. Right, so you can't avoid it, can you? You cannot avoid phonics. It's just apparently, according to the government, the only way to teach reading, but... What does this mean in specialist settings, especially for those more complex pupils? I think the biggest misconception is this message that it's the only way to teach reading. And I don't think that's something that the government actually say. And I think it's really important that we, unfortunately, because of the stuff that's been published, that's the impression, that's the opinion. And that's the kind of message that schools keep coming and asking me. What can we do? Because actually, how appropriate is this for our learners? How applicable is this for our learners? The teaching of reading is massively complex, really, but I do love the reading rope, which shows you all of those essential components that are involved in the teaching of reading. And actually, phonics is one of those strands. And that's the important bit. My book about the inclusive reading curriculum talks about all of the other elements. And I think the bit that the government have been emphasizing and the bit that I kind of emphasized that about 16 years ago in my research is actually, should we include or not include this aspect of decoding, of understanding about phonics? And actually, if we should include it, what's that going to look like for our learners? So I think it's that it's an essential part of a bigger picture. Definitely. I think, I think one of the guidance is, 
if they're struggling with phonics, it's like you just say, keep doing it. And you just hear these people on the internet going, oh, I've got some children in year 10 struggling with phonics. Anyone recommend a scheme? And it's like, if they're in year 10 and you're still on phonics, try a different way. It's interesting. It's interesting because I get that as well. And again, it's, it's become tied up again with this very narrow view. And we've got to widen it out, as yep. with everything. We've got to look at this massive body of kind of the skills and knowledge and concepts that we need to understand about the world of um, reading and yep. about the fact of how language, spoken language, relates to print. And that, that, that the code, you know, actually, what, what is this part of? If we don't understand about kind of those foundational aspects about literacy, about, you know, all of that wide, those wider skills, and we haven't got an interest, there's no point just teaching phonics. No. We've got to have the interest. We've got to have the motivation. We've got to buy in. We've got to see why is it relevant for us. So if they're at year 10, what's going to have happened is they're going to have huge barriers which will stop them from even kind of engaging with print and that's where the journey needs to be that's where the kind of opportunities need to be presented but woven into that we do need to give them the opportunity to understand that relationship with print and language and yeah that i think you've always with everything you're doing you've got to start with them that intent them wanting to do it if you don't have that you're never going to get there and if you are pulling out Romeo and Juliet, I will never be interested. If you pull out any Shakespeare, I, there will no be never any intent from me. I just worthless to me. So now, maybe now, you go on. I don't know <laughs> if that's because I of I just don't find it interesting at all, or it's because that is how secondary school made me feel about it. And and I would say maybe it just wasn't presented to you in a way that was engaging. Now there are some amazing kind of immersive ways of presenting Romeo and Juliet. Some really great different kind of kind of cartoons, animations, really kind of great drama. If you ever saw any of Keith Park's call and response stuff, you know, just that kind of real interactive and that the language of Shakespeare is what you needed to be hooked into. But the other thing is, if I can watch it, why am I going to read the book? So it's a whole other thing is to me... Yep. When I've done this, I'm going, yeah, but I've watched a film, so I know the story. I don't, what's the point? Of it? And there's those sorts of things. It's, it's, and you might, as a person, love Shakespeare, and you might be great, and it's amazing, but you've got to put yourself in the head of a 13 or 14-year-old who's looking at this going, thou what? What, thou what, huh? what? It's got, and that's the thing. And I think if you've got those children who at that age aren't reading, you've got to give them that reason to read first. Yeah, you've got and, to move maybe away from this fiction, which is the national curriculum, to actually, if they're into football, finding something, if they go to matches, getting that football program or something like that, or finding a way for them to read based on their interest. And that's relevant to them, because yeah. actually that's the biggest buy-in, is what, why, what is the point of me learning this thing? So phonics in particular really complex has massive impact and massive kind of a strain on our working memory so if we've got other things which are kind of draining that energy anyway if we're feeling anxious if it's really threatening our kind of self-concept that fear of failure at something that you've failed at for years also if you you know in terms of auditory processing in terms of those other skills 
if they are, you know, there's deficits there that, that make it much more difficult anyway, you're not going to want to buy into that. No. And, and, and actually what you have to see is the relevance of this to you. What is this going to give you longer term? And I think we spoke a little bit about that before, that longer term learning, that also that well-being in terms of what will it do for me later that will help me to enhance and create a better life? Um, you know, what's it going to give me access to? If you're into Minecraft, which is the massive thing at the moment in my household, you know, my son's constantly coming over. He struggles showing me the instructions. What's this saying, mummy? How many of this have I got? What's this? And, and it's about, okay, let's have a look at that. Let's remember those sounds we've been learning. And it's like, just read it for me. <laughs> and that's the thing. I think there is that whole thing, especially if you get neurodiverseness, is with that, with that phonics screening, yeah. you've got, yeah, I know words. I, know. I look at this. And it's like, that's not a word. Because yeah. you've got those yeah, made up things. Words. And it's yeah. like, well, that's just rubbish. There's, there's a whole thing of you're doing it because the sake of it, not because it has any meaning, I think confuses people and just does it. But also, as I was, as I was, as I was at a dyslexia show recently, he was talking about, I have no idea what it's called, but it's like the meaning behind words and how you can link things together and yeah. understanding it. So if you're putting it in the context, it makes it easier to read the words. And yeah. It's things like that. As you said, it's part of that rope. It's all those different bits coming together. It's engaging that background knowledge. It's engaging that prior information. It's engaging all of those bits, those language structures, that understanding of vocabulary, yep. actually creating an interest in vocabulary, an interest in words is a massive kind of way that we can really support our young people, just getting that curiosity about language. And, and the bit about it is, is, you know, I work with schools who have conversations with me about We've got some really effective whole word approach teaching strategies. You've got some brilliant schemes out there which can just, you know, you'd work with the site, just site words, but whole word learning. Brilliant. You will only ever know those words that you've been taught. If we want to develop our learners into that independent kind of, and also to get that, oh, I know that. Yeah. I could tackle that. Oh, I might have the skills for that. If you want to develop those learners who have got that kind of ability to independently begin to recognize other words that you haven't taught them in a different font, in a different setting, the only way that we can do that is to include some of that teaching in what we're doing. Yeah. The problem is, is the message has become a little bit too strong in terms of it being you have to do phonics, you have to keep on. If what you're doing is not having an impact, think about what is the outcome of that? What's the learning objective of what you're doing? Can you pull that out, pull it apart? And as you would with every other area of the curriculum, can you look at a more creative, accessible, engaging way to present that for your learner do you need to look at the pace that you have? Do you need to think about the progression? Look at what you're doing and look at how you can then start to celebrate those small wins, build on what they can do, but keep giving them the opportunity to understand this, the English language in this way. Definitely. I think that learning words is it's that almost like recognising logos, isn't it? You recognise, oh, that golden arch is that's a McDonald's. So you don't read McDonald's, you know that that's there. And there's this word beneath it, which you then learn, well, that's obviously just says McDonald's. Either I read it or not, I know what it says. And then you go onto the menu and you're looking at this thing and it's got a 
something beginning with B, ends in R, but that's probably burger. And you kind of, you can fill in what those words are because you've heard them in the environment and you're looking at this thing. It's like, okay, there's a picture, that's probably burger. And you can kind of put things together and it's kind of, you're putting it, you're not really reading, but you're putting the logic together and you understand what it's meant. And it's things like that. As people read it to you, you're going to, again, pick up those words. So if there's something we're going to see and ending those three lowercase and front of burger, that's probably going to be cheese. And you, you'll learn these words. I've no idea how you scientifically learn them, but you kind of put them together like you're recognising things going together. And, yeah, you can do that. But as you said, it gets to a point where you're now going to go, right, what's this word? Yeah. Or you take it out of that context. Yeah. But even within that, you are actually, because you've got this automatic process, this autographic mapping, which happens. So what you do automatically through getting these bits of the word and understanding the sound and you begin to map this, you're starting to connect those dots between that oral language and print. So actually, for many of us, we don't remember having such explicit approaches as we have now. I certainly am learning a lot, but I also know for myself that I've got massive gaps. In terms of my own knowledge, I struggle. And my friends do take, you know, take the mickey out of me about certain things. But I know that if I've got a group of people on Zoom, and you know, I, I say this quite openly, and there's a, the names are there, some of the names, I am gonna, I've got not a hope of understanding or being able to pronounce because I've got gaps in terms of my ability to map that the, 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 my print, the, the print and the oral language together. And I know that. And actually, as I'm learning some of the stuff with my son, it's helping me to connect some of those dots. So, so it's, it's important that we're providing that opportunity. And that's the bit that I think we need to pull out of all of this, yep. is we need to look at a bigger, inclusive framework of reading. And I, that's why I always say the reading rope is one of the kind of best illustrations of that. But within that, you've got that phonological awareness, which those foundation skills for many of our young people are not there. Yep. They haven't had that. That language hasn't been relevant, that kind of, but also in terms of hearing, in terms of their own verbal skills, all of that is going to be different. It's going to make it a different learning journey. It doesn't mean it's a journey that they shouldn't be on. Yep. It just means that we should look at how we can ensure that there's that accessibility and that they have got the opportunity just even if, we're just connecting some of those dots yeah. so they understand more about the world around them when they hear the language. I think because I think I, I, I literally I look at phonics and go, that's just jelly on the plate, jiggling jam and all that rubbish. I literally, I literally doing it with the kids going, it's helping you make the letter sounds. And to me, that's as far as it went. To me, it was when you start, you're having parts of words like the anti yep. or the D that they have meaning. Yeah, so, yeah, so you're the looking at the root sound, of language. You're yeah. looking at the root, and that helping. So when you when you see the word morphology, and morphology, anti-establishment Arianism, I have no idea what it means, but I know the anti. I know that yep. bit, and yep. it's not a phonic level. It's more like that's established Arianism, but, but it's it's that to me. It's that bit on, and with that level, I can make sense of words. But where's the phonics? I struggle, but you need the phonics to get to that part. But but or both. Because it really varies. And that's the bit for our learners. You need to have that kind of your focus is on we're learning about language. So we're going to give the opportunity to learn about language. You've got some brilliant, you've got vocabulary ninja, 
who gives those word a day cards that gives you the morphology, the roots of the, the, the language that break the words down into the phonemes, the graphemes, and they map them and they show it really clearly. And actually, you know, often we don't have enough knowledge ourselves about this. No. And, and I, it's not harmful. And that's the bit that I think sometimes if it is becoming harmful because, it, you know, young people are getting too many negative experiences, that's really important that we stop and say, OK, what do we want to do out of this? I've worked with, with some professionals saying, you know, we've been using, I'm trying not to name certain schemes, <laughs> but using certain bits of certain schemes for five years and there's been no impact. You wouldn't do that with any other area of the curriculum. No. You would look at what is it in that particular book or, or which you know sounds are they trying to learn. Some sounds are easier than others. That's going to vary right across with all of our learners. Some learners are going to. We're not going to be able to hear them make the sounds. So actually, we're going to have to make sure we build in lots of opportunities for choice, lots of opportunities to indicate use of AAC, use of kind of ways that they can show what is you know, what they are learning and understanding. But if it's becoming that there's a lot of negative experiences, then what you would do with any other area of the curriculum, you'd reduce it, you'd look at kind of the presentation, and you'd look at actually the best way, let's make it fun. Let's get some games involved, let's some creativity, let's get some doing, some, you know, all of that. Um, and sometimes we because it's a government-led strategy, because it's quite prescriptive and it appears, but it's really clear in the guidance that for those learners who, you know, neurodiverse learners who, or learners who are struggling, then actually we have got, you know, we are able to do and create and, and adapt approaches to ensure that there, there is that kind of engagement and there is that, that progress, but progress at their level yeah. and, pro- and meaning. That's the thing. It is. It's almost like because the whole world has gone, or in England, gone phonics mad. It's kind of nearly all the resources you'll come across is going to be phonics based. But there are obviously going to be other. Re- there is stuff out there, but it is kind of so prescriptive. But you have to look for those like vocabulary ninja and that morphology and things like yeah. that. That's what you've got to be looking for and trying these different approaches. Because the thing is, especially as they get older, they will be hearing these words. Yep. These aren't going to be completely brand new words to them. No. They're new to them in print. Yeah. But they're not new to them hearing them in the world around them. And that's the thing is is using the fact they can hear them. Yeah. Know them. Know them. And it's that to me, there's lots of things you can do around that rather than following this very prescriptive thing. And it's saying is the whole thing of doing the same thing, expecting a different result. All that is it's that to me if you get past kind of year three and you're still doing phonics in the same way, you've got to be changing to me about year three, year four, you've got to be going, okay, we've got to change. We've got to try something completely different because this isn't working. The issue is with that, I think, and because I've been sat in meetings where they're saying phonics isn't working, let's try something different. I'm like, great. Tell me what's different. What, what would you say then? What, 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 tell me what you would say for those learners who, and it's like, well, we'll do. And, and actually there was a very interesting article, article again, trying not to say names published recently and it said phonics doesn't work this is it and it and it gave this examples of schools and what they were doing now if you looked at what they were doing within this great kind of different activities which are engaging learners in the love of literacy fab being read to having opportunities to explore independently fabulous amounts of digital libraries 
So they've got access to, to things because as soon as you're getting that digital access, you've got that accessibility, all of that. But in that journey was, and then there was this bit of you know, phonics, teaching phonics in this way. Because if you're not including ways to teach about the alphabetic principle, then actually you're doing your learners a disservice. But And that's the bit that I think is really important. So it's not leaving phonics behind. It's leaving these very prescriptive schemes behind and going, right, let's go to this engagement. Let's go to this. And phonics is part of that. But it's, it's almost tailoring, if that scheme doesn't work for them, what will work? And it's having that understanding. The problem is, I guess, <laughs> is that the problem with that is, and, and having worked completely my PhD, my PhD actually focused on this 16 years ago. It actually looked at our mainstream approaches appro- appropriate for learners with SLD. And that was what I did sort of 16 years ago. And I use actually a, a, a well-known scheme. And I found I was working with 11 to 16 year olds that all of them kind of like had some engagement and were able to kind of progress and have an understanding about this and actually impacted on how they felt about themselves because they were starting to pick up books at home or actually look at leaflets or just because they were a bit like, oh, this is print. Oh, and, and, and the important thing there is that actually what's been missing and the reason the government is quite strongly trying to say, you know, these prescriptive ap- approaches is you need to have a progression. You need to have an understanding. And if you're in a school where in your class you follow the, you know, the, the, the mnemonics and the schemes, pictures from this one, but in the next class they do this other one, the problem with that is you're giving your kids a massive barrier because what you're doing is they've got to relearn stuff. So don't get them relearning stuff. Again, it's really clear. I'm just reading there. Schools can make reasonable adjustments to approach and support learners with SEND. That's really clear in the reading framework. So whatever your scheme is, they will have those non-negotiable aspects, which are probably the, the, pro, the, the in terms of the progression of the sounds and, and that sort of format and some of the language that's used. Lots of it, though, you can actually adapt and change but you just got to keep that bit of consistency because that's the bit that is important for everyone or your staff as well to understand. And I think that's what's happened with the reading framework. It's actually given an awareness about this to all schools and particularly for special schools. The problem is it hasn't given enough of the background bit of you're saying it's appropriate to make adaptions. And, and adjustments, reasonable adjustments, but is there funding to do that? And is there resources out there to do that? And can we get specialist support to train us to do that? So that's the bit. And I know there's things happening behind the scenes to support that, but you've got schools running around trying to do all this themselves. And there's a little gap there. I always find it interesting is the government has a document which applies to 90% of pupils. And I'm going to say that the document they produce is the really easy bit because it's what kind of works, it's what's there for everyone. And then they have that little bit. You can adapt this for pupils with SEND and that fits like the other 10% or whatever percentage that is. But that's the really specialised part. That is the one where isn't included in the ET in initial teacher training or the early careers framework. It's not actually no. included anything. No. You're supposed to either pick it up by osmosis, go do a PhD in it, <laughs> or you're, you've got to, as you said, buy someone in 
You've got out, out your own t- funding. Out your own funding and time and all this lot. And it's like, this is a bit where the schools need the support. When when what you're saying, which is covers most children, doesn't work, there's nothing from the government. That's what I get really disappointed in. And this is in loads of different places they do this, and it really frustrates me that when and, that and- teacher is struggling, there's no signposting, there's nothing. And, and I mean, there is, you know, there has been little bits of things and there is an understanding about that, that this, that, that needs developing. But it's just, I, I feel a bit sorry for, for, for special schools in particular, who are kind of like, have embraced this. You know, they have really, this has been for some a huge change, others not so much. It's really got them to kind of change some of the thinking about things. But again, this is one small part of a journey for many of their learners. But it is an important part. And that's the bit I always come back to with schools is I completely understand you've got huge amounts of other areas. But actually, if we want to do our, give our learners the best opportunities to kind of have that kind of well-being and that, those, you know, that lifelong learning when they leave us, actually, we want to make sure that they have some understanding, literacy, you know, lit- and also about connecting those dots between language and print. And that yep. even that they can see if it's around us, we draw attention. That's your name. That's what it looks like. This is the letters in your name. This initial sound, you know, again, but the schemes, what they give us is they give us a way to actually tackle that in that structured way. And it is something that we have to be taught. And it is something that we have to be taught in a structured fashion. So the two have just got to somehow, we need to marry that up a bit better, but that requires support for schools because they are trying really hard to do this. So phonics and SLD and PMLD. Yeah. What pupils would you say phonics does not benefit? Again, you've got to look at your definition, and I'm always saying about widening definitions. That's me. Sorry, Dale, never a straight answer. When you think actually of what we're thinking about in terms of phonics itself you have to kind of you know think about okay well how we you know we're actually what we're talking about here well we're we're kind of we're talking about that whole skill of kind of decoding we're talking about that skill which actually is based on these foundation understanding phonological awareness phonemic awareness that ability to kind of manipulate the sounds in language prior to that we've got to understand there are sounds in language that are different to each other prior to that We've got to understand that sounds are different to each other. So actually, nowhere within a learner, a typically developing learner, you know, a baby, we don't say, right, now we're going to teach you phonics. We start with singing and sounds and, and, you know, stories and all different kinds of rhymes. And then from there, we kind of get, oh, is that that sound? Oh, it's, you know, and then different people's voices are different to each other. You get lots of experiences of that. And then from there, it starts to be, you know, introducing and, and matching it actually specifically to print. And that's what I say. Well, so you can't have one without the other. So, so if you never start the first bit, you're never going to get to the, you know, you can't just go in and say, right, we're going to do, we're going to teach you, you know, about how letters and sounds map together. We're going to do this. You've got to have had though this is these are sounds you've got to have had all of that journey those foundational awareness what does what does les dave say sonics before phonics you know you've got to have that understanding so actually there is no beginning and end It, it needs to be part of a continuum of that inclusive framework 
where learners have got that as part of their developmental journey. Because again, if you're saying this learner's never going to be able to use phonics or be a reader, what you're doing then is you're cutting off opportunities that you, you, you don't know may happen when they're 15, 16, because they've had masses of, not there'll be formal readers, but they may recognise their name as print around them. Yeah. The whole thing, I remember watching children when they start recognising the McDonald's sign and things like that as you drive past. That is reading. That is recognising symbols and things like that. And in reality, as far as you can get them is the best. Yeah. However, yeah. you don't, don't go, I'm not going to bother. It's, you need to get them as, because that has lots of implications. So them walking yeah. along, and especially in London, being able to recognise the tube sign, because those yeah. tube stations aren't always obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So just without everything that's going on, just be able to recognise that symbol and things like that, and a symbol for toilets, men, women, all of those sorts of things, yeah. really early reading. Really, And the further you get, the more you get, the more it improves their lives. And, and, and that's, the, that's the biggest issue that, that I say, you know, working with schools, it's, it's let's widen that definition of reading, let's see everybody as a reader, and let's see everybody as having the opportunity. And so phonics is, and so I'm working at the moment with Teach Us Too, we're working with a group of professionals from schools right across the country, looking at actually, what would an inclusive literacy framework look like for schools? You know, how could we, rather than having to recreate it, what would it look like? And actually, what we need to be thinking about with that is those foundations that everyone has, can they include print? And actually, when you boil down to should sonics be taught to, when we're talking about those, those learners with the most complex needs, it often boils down to what's the point of including print in the environment because they're never going to read it. And that's often the argument that I'm, and then you know, you're like, well, if you don't include it, how will they ever read it? Yeah. And actually, or recognize it, or see it as meaningful. Yes. And my book has got many examples of recently, a wonderful lady on training was talking about one of her learners who is on a sensory curriculum pathway. And she, I think she's 11, kind of, you know, within a class of learners with profound multiple learning difficulties. And they realized recently she loves music. And so they always give them an opportunity to select CDs at the end of the day. And she was aware that actually this learner was recognizing the name Ed Sheeran, not because of the pictures, not because of, but actually. So they started to kind of work with her and do that and took away all the images, took away the pictures, made the name in a different print. And she was able to recognize it. And they, and they came, she came on my course saying, oh, now what do I do? This, this, this girl, and, and the pathway she's on, she's not going to get anything about reading. Where, where, where do we go from here? It, it starts with that recognising of that shape of the word. Yeah? yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, that cheese, there's a small, there's a tall, then it's just a little lower in front of that. That kind of, you kind of work out, that's the thing, that's where you start at, isn't it? You start this, come with that shape of all those letters together. Yeah. And it was like with Ed Sheeran, you're going, okay, it's more, more complex, but that's what she's getting to. She's recognising yeah. the shape of those letters together. And it's meaningful because yes. actually she really likes that CD and she wants to get it. So she's really, you know, her brain has made that kind of link between those two parts of bits of information. I always, you know, when we talk about reading, it's about accessing meaning from something. Yes. So I would always say, you know, initially those symbols, you're accessing meaning from that symbol. You're accessing meaning from that object. Think about sensory stories. Think about all of that. And actually there's no like start and stop. And no. that's the important bit. 
So for some, obviously, when you buy in particular schemes, they'll often start at, you know, the letters. But prior to that, there's lots of other things that are happening. There's lots of other kind of aspects. But often if learners are 15, people think, okay, they need to do this first bit, this kind of like pre-phonics or this. The problem is actually they've had years of doing all of that stuff. We have to keep that motivation within that, make sure they can understand differences in sound, but we've got to present information that's meaningful to them and gives them the opportunity to say, oh, I know that. I, I know that. And that links with that. And I can use that with this word as well. And look, my friend's name is the same. Or, you know, actually, I really want to know about the choices for lunch. So what, where is it meaningful? I was watching a uh, little short video on social media yesterday, and it was a child pointing at a jar of Nutella going, nah. Ah, t, eh, l, l, ah. What does that say? You went peanut butter. Great. <laughs> I love he it. Obviously, you know, I love it. Thing is, there's so many things which are going on there, and he obviously recognised it's a jar. Yeah. And you kind of stick your knife in it, and he has peanut butter on toast. So rather than joining all those letters together. He went, right, so it goes on toast. I have peanut butter on toast. It must say peanut butter because that's what I have on toast. And that's the thing. When, when children are reading, they're trying to pull all this information together, aren't yeah. they? They're yeah. not just going, don't look at anything but these letters. Yeah. No, no, he's looking at it's in a jar. And I, it's, it goes on toast. And I know this. I've seen the knife. So it must be. I have pe-. And that's the thing. It's, it's, you can't often just take that phonics on its own. As no. you said, there's no. all the other bits are flying Got to be in. embedded. Yep. And, and that's the that's the important bit as well, is that actually, you know, we have to see it as embedded in all this prior knowledge, all this other information. That's why the working memory is so, you know, overwhelmed. We're trying to get all these bits together. The, the more we can make that easier, you know, the easier we can make it in terms of reducing that cognitive load. But the big easiest way to do that, you know, is actually to get the interest, the engagement yeah. and the fun. Because actually think of yourselves, what activities do you do, you know, when they're fun? It's something that you're just doing and you're, you, that learning is happening. And, and, and it is really interesting when you look. There's a great video on YouTube, actually, of writing instructions. It's a father who's basically reading instru- instructions about spreading peanut butter on bread. And, and the instructions are written in such a way that the guy just puts the knife and spreads the bread around. Yes. And it's just fun. Just funny, you know, again, that, that, the, the kind of literal kind of way that we hear language as well, we interpret language. I think if we go back to that thing with that boy reading Nutella and it was peanut butter, it's, it's to me, it's sort of like with those older children like Ed Sheeran, you're starting with words they want to read or they may know already, rather than just going, let's read the word because. Why? Why would I read because? If I'm into football, I might work, I might teach them Liverpool or Man United or Arsenal or whatever. The idea is they get part way through and hopefully they join it together and they'll go, oh, this is saying this. And it's it's helping them recognise, to me, that makes more sense to me. Rather than learn a word because it's I'm supposed to learn that word, to me, it makes more sense with starting with words they're going to maybe work out or they want to read. Yeah, absolutely. I always say, you know, start from, and especially with the older learners, start from, you know, a collection. What do they know? What do they not know? Where are the gaps? What are the strengths? They're a football fan. Okay, so they, if they're going to use the word because in contact context, you know, thinking, why did Liverpool beat somebody else? Because, you know, they've got the better. I am, 
Yeah, I'm connected to a Liverpool fan, so we are a Liverpool family. But yeah, it, it, it's just making sure that you're starting from the strengths of the learner. So yeah. you you would then, but then what you do is then, and that's the that's the tricky part, particularly our learners, our older learners who we're working with, who have got you know working severe learning difficulty, our neurodiverse learners who this is an area that they've struggled with. So actually thinking, okay, what's happened there? Massive barriers have gone up in terms of that social, emotional kind of approach to it before you've got anything else. So you've got to work with the strengths as you would with any other aspect. We wouldn't think of learners, you know, we wouldn't say, well, you're not going to communicate. So I'm not going to bother trying to give you a way in. No. I always say, let's think of everyone as a reader, but it's just going to look really different. And if reading for this young person is about experiencing some really rich and fabulous sensory stories, but actually within that, what I'm going to do is give them the opportunity to have all the richness of the reading rope as well. Yeah. That understanding of vocabulary. I'm also going to point out and introduce and have some print that's meaningful to them in, in, in this context. But their phonics journey is going to look very different. I'm going to be working on the sounds. I'm going to be that differentiation and, and really just looking at that auditory processing and that, that awareness. Definitely. And tolerance. Tolerance of sound is a huge one. Yeah. So we're talking about the actual process of the reading the words. How do things like reading or, or listening to audiobooks, does that, is that help? Is that a Absolutely. different thing? Is nope. it part of the journey? Nope. How does that impact? So, I mean, you know, it, it, it all built on this experience of language. And I know within my other podcasts, I, I try to steer away from audiobooks because I am a total fan. I absolutely love. And it's just, you know, it's kind of the thing that I've discovered. And now I, I'm, I'm hooked. But having, interestingly, because my son really doesn't, has got no enjoyment at all from audiobooks. And I, I, I'm trying to get that as something that he enjoys but having the big thing with audiobooks is you you can have a way to have the print as well if you can have the so actually having the subtitles on so you're linking because what you're doing is you're supporting your brain to create connections so you know our brains that neuroplasticity of our brains the way that those connections are formed is through that experience the reason nursery rhymes have stood the test of time is because they play a hugely important part with as we're hearing and we're hearing the kind of sing songliness of the, of the rhyme and the rhythm of it. We're learning about the way that language works. We're making the connections between the different kind of intonation, the different sounds. And then if we see the print in the book, we're linking that to the, to the print. So all of that is that continuous creation of connections. The stronger those connections are, the more automatic those skills are. The more automatic the skills are, the less difficult it is for us to tackle these things. Or we've got an understanding, they're familiar to us. So it kind of feeds into that part of the brain. I know this. I know what to expect with this kind of story or poem or rhyme. And we know for lots of our learners now as well, that big focus we've got that's on the sounds and the mapping and all of that. And we've started a bit more kind of to, to kind of the, the blendings happening, but lots of schools are saying they're finding that so difficult. 
to blend the words and then actually to read them in a sentence or phrase is really tricky. And actually, if it's too tricky, then they're not going to, it becomes, it just cancels it out. Yeah. So we've got to make sure. So when you're having an audio book or you've got something where a scanning pen, you've got an app that on immersive reader where it reads it to you as you hear it and see it and hear it and see it. You're like, oh yeah, I remember that. I was learning that digraph. Oh, look, there's the, that word that I find tricky. The, there's that word that, so the more words that you can remember and recognize, what's it so funny? Someone with a PhD would go, I recognize that digraph. Oh, digraph. <laughs> Did <laughs> I say it? He said, I'd recognize that digraph. I don't think they're going to be saying digraph. that. <laughs> The interesting thing about that, but you see, Dale, that's the thing. The interesting thing about that, I'll go to edit that bit out. Um, no. Nope. The interesting, no, oh, I knew. The interesting thing about that, I do tell this story in my training. So my working memory was obviously it, it, overwhelmed a bit there because in my early on when I started this journey, and I used to train, I used to say digraph. And it wasn't until I had this fabulous video where they do it to different songs and they kind of like teach about different kind of concepts within phonics and it was digraph and I'm like oh that's a bit embarrassing so thanks for that Dale so yeah there we go any of my friends that are listening will know that's very me but that's, that's the thing is typical. so many people have read a book hit a new word and gone and my, my favourite one of these is it was I listened to a podcast by Dave Gorman years ago, and it was a story where somebody went along and they met someone and this person's name was Wiverney. Like Wiverney, I've never come across that name. Then oh yes, that's be my mum read her in a book and she loved a character so she called me Wiverney. Cool. And how do you spell that? And she went Y V O N N E. It's like, oh, Yvonne. <laughs> no, Wiverney. And that is how <laughs> the mum decoded the word that this character was called Wiverney. Oh, God. And I've heard of things like that where people have got things like, they got Hermione's name wrong or yeah. things like that. And they've, they've read it without all these, and that's how they've got that name in their head. And when they've heard it, everyone's like, no, that's not right. And it's some of these weird names, it's like that. Well, I, I've got a good one, and I, I don't even know if I should say it because I'm in that, obviously, zone of getting things wrong. It's slightly with the earphones as well. I'm going to say that. It's slightly not yeah. being able to hear myself. But cashew nuts, I often – cashier. <laughs> I, I, I have to say Mark Almond. Otherwise, I'll say it. Oh, almond nuts. And my wife gets very angry. So before I can say the word almond, I have to say Mark in my head. So go Mark Almond. But yeah. otherwise I say Almond. Yeah. It's like, well, there's yeah. an L in there. Where's the L gone? And I still don't get why Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's things like that I hate. And, yeah, but, I, yeah, I do think if, the more you listen, I think, yeah. especially if you more read you listen. It, Harry it, it, Potter, you read all, you'll hear yeah. the names, you'll look yeah. at it, and you'll, you yeah. might be somewhere and you're going, yeah. hang on, that's, you're almost like, well, the Harry, Hermione, Ron, Harry, Hermione. You know what those words you won't get. You won't read. Maybe do the whole phonics, yeah. But you'd recognise Harry. Yes, Harry. Yeah, I recognise that. And it just sometimes it's that word building, that yeah. wanting to build the words and recognising them and doing that. And then 
once you get to that level, it's then going, right, well, how do we get from that word to you yeah. saying it? And that's yeah. kind of when the phonics come in. Yeah. Is that, it's that part. And it, so, yeah, don't just do these phonics. Is, yeah, there's lots of different ways, routes you well, can get to it. Yeah. And, and the word building is, I mean, that's huge. You know, that, that opportunity to have lots and lots of opportunity, uh, you know, to do that. And actually also, unless we have those structured sessions or those structured opportunities, to keep having that that information repeat, you know, repeated and repeated, we're not going to get the chance to build that connection. We're not going to get the chance. We'll always be embarrassed with saying that word, and that's really important. That's the whole thing. It's about building that confidence and building that understanding, so that actually we have the opportunity to then look at other words that are similar and then transfer that knowledge, generalize that to other contexts, but without the structured teaching or approach backbone. But that's where it sometimes gets confused because it's like, therefore, you have to stay on that structure. No, if it's not engaging, if it's not accessible, they're not going to get anything out of that. No. So, so, so there isn't any point. Just So when they say there must be another approach, there must be another approach to creating a love and understanding about literacy and oral language through all of these other rich opportunities to experience stories and and actually um you know instructions and jokes and and kind of stuff where you're given the opportunity to 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 be working with language i've had some great success recently looking at codable sentences but actually using creating ones with the the ai thing chat i always get the initial chat gpt yeah to make certain decodable sentences with certain sounds to make a lego model or to make a lego tower or to make a red lego tower or to make a you know because actually again having to read something to do something chat gpt if you haven't played with it is amazing i'm probably gonna do a podcast on this at some point this year but one of my favorite things of chat gpt is summarizing information or rewriting paragraphs for you so if you have a paragraph you can say rewrite this paragraph with a reading age of five and it will simplify the paragraph or if it's written about a child rewrite it so it's written to the child you can get it to translate I didn't it's know this. So amazing! Oh. It is it is phenomenal what it can do. But yeah, if you've got uh, like a you've written a, a paragraph about Edward, mm. Edward, you're really, Edward's reading is great. You can go right. Actually, I want to give this to Edward so he can read it about himself, and it will translate it. And it's just so cool. And it's, amazing. It's so many things it do. Um, well, that's really my weekend f- loss. That's my <laughs> weekend loss now, Dale. But it isn't it? Because it saves you so much time. Mm. How many times yeah. have you had to rewrite something? We well, can just grab your paragraph, stick it in there, simplify this, please. And it does, it does a really good job. One of my, um, a really entertaining story for my daughter, who's in year nine, this was all year nine students, came back from the Easter break. And one of them asked another one, where did you go on holiday? And they went suffix. (laughs) Not Sussex, not Suffolk, not somewhere else. They're like, oh, I've not heard of that. And um, one of them went, is it a consonant? So the first one was, it was I'm guessing Sussex or Suffolk. And the next person hadn't heard of it asked, is it a continent, but came up with consonant. Lots of entertaining, year nine. Things obviously haven't gone very well there. And just because that's not a bottom set, that's, that's top one or two sets in that school. But it's, to me, there's the reading, and it's that morphology yeah, yeah. is a really big part, which I think gets forgotten. I think that understanding what a word is helps you find those words. You have those connections in your head. So when you hear a word, it ju- you jump to part in your head and go, oh, that's to do with this. That must mean this. 
if you don't have that morphology, to me, it makes reading harder. But it's interesting because I've not got much interest in that. And that's, that's you have. And that's the bit that's really important to be aware of, that our learners are going to have their own way. And so you need to find that zing. You've got to find that bit that gets the interest. And, and actually, most of the kind of phonics things now do encourage to make sure that you do look at the morphology, that you do look at those other, you know, all of the aspects of the word, because actually it's about language and the beauty of language. The reason it is where it is, is because it's been adapted and changed to represent all of these different aspects. And that's the key. But we've got to teach that richness. But it's got to be, if we think it's dull and boring, and we think, what's the point of phonics? That's where the start of the journey needs to be, actually, within the school about looking at, do you know what, let's look at this, let's look at how we all feel about this. And let's look at why this is important. And how we can make it, you know, each staff meeting, let's all bring an activity that we've found has been really successful or that's been fun, that's, that's introduced something in a way which is very different to what we would normally do. And let's share those. Build up the banks. Yeah. I'm a big thing at the moment with social media of the reels and using like little short bits of video and putting things together. Actually, let's create that. Let's, you know, do that with our learners getting them to do all the different activities and just create and even if you can do this was you then at the start this is you now look at that you know my son just earlier read something that he would never have read before on minecraft and actually it's been a really long journey to get to that which is great but he's in mainstream and and it's really important to be aware that we're thinking if we're looking at special this is a long journey yep. it doesn't mean we shouldn't be on it but it's not all of it but it is a long journey. So actually, if our learners are starting at six, very likely we're not going to get anything. You know, we're not going to be kind of getting anything in terms of that more fluent, formal, for those that can get to that for a long time. And I think just mentioning social media, it just made me, it's another way of getting people to read. Social media in Absolutely. our current world is yeah. very important. And to be able to access that device mm -hmm. And access different things. Yeah. Lots of it do have symbols, and it's great. Mm -hmm. But if you've got to search, if you've yeah. got to do that, you need this knowledge. The initial sound of a thing. I mean, that's the other yes. thing. We've got so many great bits of assist, you know, in technology, but you can just put the initial sound or the initial, and, and it comes up with it. That has been one way, again, for some of the kids, you know, if they've got to find their own game on the computer, yeah. or they've got to find their own app. They've just not have a thing. What's the first sound? Let's have a look. You say it. Now, what can you hear? Okay, it sounds like that. Yeah, it is confusing because that, you know, that sound can be represented by this, this, and this. Oh, nightmare. How are we ever going to learn it? Let's make a note of that and pop it up on our board for next time. And how, yeah, YouTube. And, and you're going on there and you're searching. Sometimes yep. the thumbnail is a great representation, but other, other times it's not. So you've got to learn, and it, it, sometimes you can literally, you skim read. Even as an adult, you skim read. Oh, yeah. And you're looking at the shape. That's why I keep talking about the shape of the word, is you don't yeah. read the words. And there's, there's a thing, there's a couple of things. One I've seen ages ago, which was if the first letter is, in the right, is correct and the last letter is correct and all the other letters are in the wrong order, yeah. you can still read it. Because you that are, prediction. Yeah. You're predicting, you're tying it all together, you're going, well, this is you're, you're you're doing like like with word it can predict words now based yeah. on things you do so you, you, yeah. there's an option in windows 11 to predict the next three words yeah. so as you type one you word swipe. it will predict three yeah yeah so you, 
there are things like that we do as adults. But there's one I saw recently, which was about making the first letter bold helps neurodiverse or something. And it really helps the reading speed. So again, what, how I thought I read and how as I do more podcasts and learn and think about more, how I actually read is I don't really read the words. I guess the words. But that's because you've had so much experience for that orthographic mapping, that automatic process that happens within us. You've had so many cues from, from listening, from seeing, from you know, reading yourself. So we have to give those opportunities and experiences if we want learners to get to that point. Yeah. We don't know where they're going to go. We don't know which part of the journey is going to be. And that's what I'm always kind of saying. Well, why would we say we're not going to do anything to do with print? We're not going to have any print in the environment. We're not going to have any print in the sessions or anything because there's no point. No. But so, again, with phonics, it's the same kind of thing. I'm like, well, why would we say we're not going to have any information about letters and sounds? Why would we not give the chance to connect some of those dots to understand and then to have those skills further on. And, and for those learners as well that get to a certain stage where they can, you know, they've got certain kind of awareness and understanding, actually, let's move them on with that then. Let's teach them some more complex sounds and let's look at that. So, so I think that's, you know, that's really important. Learning to read never ends. No, it doesn't. It does not. And it is, it, it's, it's the intent, it's the want where they want to. And rather than them coming to those predictors, is go to the, where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Minecraft, that's going to yep. be a great tool for reading. Because yep. books, you can get free ebooks and your Kindle, Diary yep. of a Goblin, yeah, yeah. and things like that. And they're short, they're easy, increase that text size, do various things, work through it all. Yeah. And also, what I always love about the Kindle, and it hit my, it, I got my daughter so much on this, she wouldn't read books which were too thick. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. So going on to the reading. So can't see the thickness on a Kindle. Yeah. So I, I um, downloaded 10 books. I just put them on. I didn't tell them anything about them. I said, I put yep. 10 books in your Kindle, which you got for Christmas. She went, cool. Yep. Then she came back and went, I read them. All of them. She went, yeah. Every one. She's like, yes. Look at me like I went, even it was Jack and the Golden Acorn. She yep. went, yes. Do you like that one? Yeah, it's my favorite. It's like, how big were it? She went, no, no. So I went yep. onto Amazon and found the book and it, the, the book was 300 pages long. And you just saw the look on her face yeah. when I then got a book, which was 300 pages long. I went, you've read that. And just the look on her face, because she'd been so scared of those books. Yeah. And yeah. by then reading and a number on Kindle, no book has ever scared her again. And the interesting thing is, last time I spoke to you, you were talking about your daughter not reading and not having, and that was kind of long, quite a long time ago. And actually, you know, it, it's like, well, how can I get her to read? What can I do? And that's, I'm now going to look at that. That's a really good idea. The Kindle, I hadn't even, yeah. The Kindle, because you can, good. no one knows what you're reading. Yeah. You can do different size fonts. If you get yeah. like the paper white, you can do various things. You can do white on black, black on white. Yeah. Different yeah. fonts as well. So there's loads of things you can do. So you can get it really suitable for them. They can go, I think it, they now do, they can read to you a lot of them and digitize. But again, you can do all of that. So whatever book you're in, it can read to you. Will it you. read to you? Oh, okay. I think that that's come. Yeah. It used to be really rubbish. I think it's got better. Yeah. So there's all these little things yeah. that Which. are just giving them a little bit of help in something they want to access. But then they want to access it. And then what you've done there 
is you've created that, oh, I can actually do this. This is something that's meaningful and relevant to me, but also I enjoy it. Yes. And I'm going to look for what other ones I might like. And then you've got them on that journey of, look what's out there. This is massive. You can have so many different books, different, you know, all different opportunities. One of the things I've only learned in the last couple of years is I've learned lots about neurodiversity and how different we all are and things like that. And one of the things I just ask more questions of my children when they don't know something or do something. I go, yeah. well, I, this is how I like, literally I explain. Yeah. It might come really because it's a strange way of explaining that. They look, and sometimes they look at me going, what? Went, what? You don't do this? And they went, no. And I'm going, oh. So when I read a book, so my dad was into like Biggles books when so there's a bookcase of them. I end up just reading them. And what happens when I read these books is I'm watching a film in my head. Yeah. Yeah? Whatever book I read, I'm kind of, I'm visualising it in my head. I'm watching the planes fly around. I'm watching him run to the plane and dive in. And it might not be correct. And that's why my mum never watches the Lord of the Rings film, Lord of the Rings films, because she had a vision of them in her head and it would never be the same. Yeah. So I have the, I watch these films in my, I'm reading a book, but it's a film in my head. And sometimes that's why I struggle. If I don't know anything about it, I'll go mm-hmm. to maybe research and go, oh, mm-hmm. I can now fill it in in my mm-hmm. head. My daughters don't, my daughter doesn't do that. No. It's, it's emptiness. It's just There's, words on a page. There was a thing on Twitter about that recently, how we encourage, we say we're going to encourage that visualization. And actually not everyone does that. That's no. not how, but that's really important as well to find that out. To have yes. that, yeah. Do they or don't they? Because if you're encouraging them to, and that's not actually how it works, then again, doing a PowerPoint presentation, I will practice it inside my head. Mm-hmm. So I'll be saying it without nothing coming out of my mouth because I I have a voice in my head, your internal voice, which is a big thing that we need to engage for our, those learners, those learners, non-speaking learners. However, lots of children do not have that. Lots of people when they go, they look at me going. What, you don't go off to a room? Well, why? I just do it inside my head. And they look at me going, no, I have to. And they literally, they have to do it in the physical realm. And I'm going, you don't have this in your head. And they look at me. It's like, you know, when you watch a film and there's a letter, you hear it in the voice yeah, of the person who wrote the letter. Yeah. When I read certain messages or emails, you I'm hear hearing that voice. person's voice in their head. And people look at me going, what? And either, as you're listening, you're either with me or you're looking very confused at your headphones or whatever. And they're going, what but is it, is, you no one knows no. it's quite a but you don't know what's happening no. in someone's head but you also don't know you know what 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 yeah what what will engage what will motivate and what will get them to go oh yeah or what they understand from what you've told them yeah and that's the thing so i've just learned with my daughters to ask these questions yeah. that i just it? made so many assumptions that everyone does this and gone yeah oh i'm pretty unique here <laughs> But we're also making those assumptions about about this, you know, the whole thing about phonics. I totally understand why people are, are saying the things they're saying. I completely get all of that. And I am hope what's happened is we're having the conversations that we wouldn't have been having. Because actually yep. that's about finding out what's in your head, what's in my head, and then coming to a kind of understanding that will help our learners. Because that's, that, that's what's important. I'd really recommend as well, obviously, Inside Our Autistic Minds, the, the, the BBC documentary. Murray's film in particular that you know what's going on in his head 
him getting to become a story writer and then that be made into a film and actually getting access to that was amazing. And his big thing he said was, you know, everyone was always trying to encourage me with books and like Teletubbies and whatever else I didn't want. I wanted access to a higher, wider range of books. That was really, I'm trying to remember who Murray so was. Which one's Murray? They yeah, went, oh, some, he's the... Ken, Ken Bruce's son. Yes. Yeah. And that was really, f- I, I, I love so that first episode because it was the, fi- the woman first was yep. amazing. And then watching him. And, yep. and, and, and when he said, yeah, I think he had his photographs taken. So yep. he's yep. nonverbal. Yeah. And as he has his photos taken, at the end of it, he just walks up and touches this bloke's chest. And they're in, that means that was great. So, and that's the thing is, especially with the more complex needs, is yeah. stuff like eye gaze and so many things have helped us realise what is going on internally and what we're seeing can be very, very, very different. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And whereas normally, I think previously, we kind of what we see is what we think goes on. And with all these tools, all this accessibility stuff, we can now understand that actually there's a lot more going on here they accessing this the the level is much higher than we realize it's just he's struggling to share that with us because of the ways he's previously been able to share them and it is yeah that that was a phenomenal video and just watching him was phenomenal yeah hugely powerful absolutely excellent right i'm gonna wrap it up because we could keep talking for hours I did say I thought I might run out of things to say, Dale, but I think we're all right. I said you wouldn't. I said you wouldn't. Um, so thank you for coming on the show today, Sarah. It, it, I've really enjoyed talking about phonics. And again, hopefully just going, yeah, phonics is one part of it. There is a lot more going on. And the schemes are there for a reason. They're proven to work with lots of children, but not everyone. And for those it doesn't work with, you've got to go back to what and why and think about it more. And it's going to be part of it, but it might not be the first part. So hopefully there's going to be some links to share with you all. And I'll also share her contact details. And you'll find them on our website or in the show notes, wherever you listen to the podcast. So thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, please do subscribe. You can find the links to subscribe across all our different podcast platforms on the website. And please follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at The Sendcast. On Facebook, The Sendcast. And on Instagram, The Sendcast. And also, please use your social medias to share the Sendcast with others. Let everyone know how good we are. Not me, my guests. But before we go, I would just like to remind you to check out what we do here at B Squared. As well as this podcast, we have the online CPD platform, Training for Education. Training for Education is a great way to get CPD for all staff around SEND that is effective and affordable. Visit www.trainingforeducation.com for more information. And lastly, don't forget our assessment products. This is what B Squared is known for, helping schools to show the small sets of progress pupils with SEND make. We cover a huge range from early years to post-16 and preparing for adulthood. You'll find a link to our website, a link to book a meeting with me or my email address so you can send me an email and all of that is the show notes. So thank you for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of The Sendcast. It's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Bye, everyone. Bye.